Again, I'd like to express just how much of a privilege and an honor it is for me to be able to be with you today. I've enjoyed being able to share in the song service and the prayer and the reading of God's Word and just sharing our faith with each other and talking about the common love that we have for God. That's what unites us. That's what makes us strong. And we are strengthened and we are encouraged whenever we get together and we we talk about, sing about how awesome God is. So I've been blessed and I thank you for allowing me to be a part of that today. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'd like to ask you to, in your mind, without sharing it with anybody, this is just for your own benefit, but on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best and 1 being the worst, I'd like to ask you to rate for me right now your relationship with God. On a scale of 1 to 10, in your mind, rate for me where you see your relationship with God. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that you're saved? On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that if you were to die tonight, that you'd go to heaven? Scale of 1 to 10. What would your rating be? This morning we talked about selfishness being the underlying problem of all relationship problems. Every one of us are selfish. We have a selfish nature. Because of the lies of Satan, he arouses within us what the Bible, the Greek word is epithumia, the evil, selfish desires, the desires to do what is contrary to God's will. We all struggle with that. We all have that part of our nature. Our selfishness hurts us. It hurts our families. The only power that can change our nature, the only power that can help us to overcome the death that is caused by our selfishness is the power of God. The power of His love. It's the only power. I've known people who have said, Bud, you know, I've heard that all my life. I have heard that it's God's love, it is the power of the gospel that saves me, that makes me feel confident, that makes me feel saved, that makes me know that I'm accepted by God, that, that makes me know that I'm going to be able to go to heaven, that makes me know that I am a good person, that I am accepted by God. I've heard that all my life. I've grown up in the church. I was baptized while I was young. I even went to Bible college. But I still feel dead. I still feel like I'm unworthy. I still feel like that that I'm just not good enough for God. And I'm not confident. I don't know that if I was to die, that I'd go to heaven. Because I know how bad I am. No matter how bad I want to be good, no matter how hard I try to do what is loving, what is good, I always end up being selfish and doing something that hurts other people and hurts myself. I feel like a failure. 
I was baptized when I was nine years old. My dad was preaching. I didn't have a very good self-esteem when I was young. I didn't feel like I was a good person. And I knew that, that I needed God to love me. I wanted God to love me. And so when I was baptized, after I was baptized, I felt wonderful. I felt so good about myself. I felt so much joy and so much peace and so much confidence. I knew that if I was to die, I would go to heaven. <laughs> but then Monday came. And I messed up. I messed up. And I started feeling that sense of shame again, that sense of not being a good person, that sense of, I don't know if I would go to heaven. And so it kind of became a, a joke almost where I was going to church. My dad was preaching. He would get up and he would offer the invitation and boom, I'd go right down the aisle. At least once every month I went forward because I knew I was messing up. I knew that I didn't mind my mama. I knew that I had a bad thought in my mind. I knew that I was angry and I wanted to bust somebody in the mouth. I knew that I was selfish. And I felt bad. And I felt shame. And I felt scared to die. I don't know if you've ever felt like that or not. But I got to start thinking that, you know, there must be something wrong with me. I must just be so bad. I must be so worthless. I must be so messed up that I just can't do this, this Christian thing. I am just not good enough to be a Christian. Tonight I like to, to talk about that. You may be able to relate to that. Why is it that that happened. Why did that happen? Some people begin thinking, well, you know, this is just, this is, I've tried God, I've tried this church thing. My life's no different, my life's no better. I feel just as bad as I ever did. So why keep trying? And then some of us just, you know, we just go ahead and we play the game. We really feel dead inside, but we go and we sing the songs and we do the activities and we say the prayers and we act like a Christian, but on the inside we're dead. We don't have that confidence that we're going to heaven. We don't have that confidence that we're saved. Tonight, I'd like for us to look at why does that happen? Why does that happen? And I'd like to ask you to consider this. It goes right back to the same thing that we were talking about this morning. The reason for the feeling of death, the feeling of shame, is caused by what? Selfishness. Selfishness is still the problem. You see, the problem is, is that even though we're trying to please God, even though I was trying to please God, I was doing it out of selfish motives. Please hear what I'm saying. This is so very important because this is what Satan wants. It is possible for us to seek to please God and still be dead. It is possible for us to seek to do the right thing, to do good, but to do it out of selfish motives. 
If you will, look with me in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. We read this this morning. Beginning in verse 1, this is what Moses records. He says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We must eat fruit from, or we may eat fruit from any tree in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Listen to this. Listen to how, how crafty Satan's lies are. He says, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And listen to this. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave it to her husband, and with, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of them were both open, and they realized that they were naked. They had shame. I'd like to ask you to consider that every one of us has this inborn drive to do good. Everybody. We're created in the image of God. In the book of Romans chapter 2, Paul explains that that part of God that lives in every human being is represented or evidenced by the fact that we've got a conscience. That's what separates us from the lower animals. We've got a conscience. When I do something wrong, I feel bad. That's God living in us. There's this desire for us to be good. We want to be a good person. That's a natural drive. We want to be like God. That can be a natural drive. Eve did. She had a desire to be like God. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be like God. But notice that Satan was so cunning and so crafty that he deceived her in trying to be like God out of selfish motives. God said, don't eat this fruit. Satan said, oh, go ahead and eat it. It'll make you like God. It'll make you wise like God. You'll be able to know what's good and what's evil. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be like God. And so you know what he did? She bought into it. She ate the fruit, but she did it out of selfish motives. She tried to be like God, but she didn't do it in a way that God wanted her to do it. She did it in a way that Satan wanted her to do it. Eve strove to be like God out of selfish motives. And when she did, she died. She died. Now I want to suggest to you that Satan still does the same thing today. He wants all of us with good hearts, people who want to be like God, who want to please God, who are trying to please God, who are willing to sacrifice to please God, to do it out of selfish motives. Because he knows that if he can get us to do it out of selfish motives, we're going to die. He's going to mess us up. And God's tried to help us to understand that and recognize that. In the Old Testament, he actually gave the law of Moses to the Jews, to the children of Israel, just to teach us that very lesson. Notice, if you will, in the book of Romans, 
chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 and verse 1. The Apostle Paul is writing and he says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they might be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. You see, what God did is he gave the law of Moses. And the law of Moses, Jesus says, the law can be summarized in this. Every law, all the teachings of the prophets are summarized in this. Love God and love one another. That's what law is. All it is is a list of what we can do and how we can be to be like God, to be a loving person. And so he says, okay, here's the list. Now what was interesting is, is that the Israelites took that list and they tried as much as they could to meet that standard so that they could be a good person, so that they could be accepted by God. They thought that they could seek to do good and that by their seeking to do good, that that would make them good. And this is the the key. This is how cunning and crafty Satan is. And that's why the law didn't work. That's why just having a list of right and wrong and good and bad and knowing it and memorizing it and trying to do it doesn't work. It doesn't free us from death. It doesn't help us to overcome selfishness. In fact, it actually makes it all worse. Because you see, when I seek to do good, to be good, that's being selfish. When we seek to do good, to be good, that's selfish. When I seek to do good so God will love me, I'm being selfish. And that's what Satan wants. He wants us to seek to do good, to be good. He wants us to seek to do the right thing so that God will love us. I'm going to suggest to you that that is a false doctrine. It's based on the doctrine of selfishness, the same thing that Satan had Eve to do in the Garden of Eden. It's approaching God out of selfish motives. The Galatian Christians had a problem with that. In the book of Galatians chapter 1, Paul says this, In verse 6, he says to these Christians, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to, listen to this, a different gospel. Did you know there's a different gospel? It's a selfish gospel. Oh, it's got Jesus in it and it's got good works in it and it's got God in it, but it's based on selfish motives. He goes on, he says, 
I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting one that called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. That's not good news. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Let him be condemned. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. This is serious stuff. You know why I felt dead after I was baptized? Because I had not believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had believed this False gospel. The gospel that is based on selfishness. The reason I did not feel good about myself is because I had believed that God is going to accept me because of how good I am. That's not the gospel. God does not accept me because of how good I am. God accepts me because of how good He is. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God does not love me because I'm so lovable. God does not accept me because I am such a good person. I will never be good enough for God's love. I will never deserve the blood of Jesus Christ. Never Ever will I deserve it. And that's what makes it so great. That's what makes it so awesome. That's what makes it God. You see, we try to put our selfish ideas on God and think that, oh, He's going to accept me because of what I do for Him. That makes Him selfish. God's not selfish. He does not accept me because of what I do. He doesn't need me to do good things for Him. I used to think that God created me to serve Him and to glorify Him. I don't believe that anymore. Yes, He does want me to serve Him. And yes, He does want me to glorify Him. But He did not create me to serve Him. He created me to love me. He created me to love me. Notice, if you will, in the book of 2 Timothy... Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. Paul says, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Listen to this. Who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us, listen to this, this grace, this unmerited favor was given to us in Christ Jesus when? Before, listen to this, before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Huh. You see, God had a plan 
before the world was ever created, that he was going to love us. He knew that we were going to be selfish. He knew that we were going to sin. He knew that. And he had a plan already that he was going to send his son Jesus, even though we don't deserve it, but he was going to give it to us anyway as a free gift. It's unmerited favor. That's what grace is. Unmerited favor. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, it's possible to do the right thing out of the wrong motive. And when I do the right thing out of a selfish motive, it's still not pleasing to God. Think about that. Please listen critically to what I'm saying. Don't accept it unless you can see it from God's word for yourself. But think about this. You can actually do good things, but it still not be pleasing to God. Because you've done it out of the wrong motive. You haven't done it because you believe the gospel, that God loves you unconditionally. Now listen, God loves us unconditionally. We'll never deserve God's love. There's nothing that we can do to make God loves us any more than he already has. Think about that. There is nothing that you or I can do to make God love us any more than he already does. Nothing. It's unconditional love. There's nothing that we can do to make God quit loving us as he already loves us. His love is unconditional. Now, his acceptance is conditional, but his love is unconditional. He loves all men. There is nothing that we can do that can make him not love us. He is love. He loves us. I'll never deserve that. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'd like for us to read verses 1 through 3. And I'd like to illustrate the point that we can do the right thing for the wrong reason and it's not going to be beneficial. It's not going to resurrect us from death. We're just playing church. We're playing religion. We're playing good person. And there are a lot of churches that I think that are like that. They're really not the church. They really don't allow the love of God. They haven't really understood the gospel and believed the gospel. They've just established a good person society. This is where the good people come to meet. We talk about how good we are and how bad everybody else is and we study to show how good we are and how bad everybody else is and we really, we really are just playing church. But on the inside, we're still dead. Listen to what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse one. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love? I'm only a resounding gong. And this is agape, by the way. And have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I get up and preach, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Hey, you know, they were doing a lot of good stuff there, but they were doing it out of the wrong motive. He says, if you do good things out of the wrong motive, you gain nothing. 
Notice, if you will, in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew, chapter 7, and verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he, listen to this, but only he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now this is really scary to me. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In other words, didn't we preach? And in your name, did we not drive out demons? And in your name, do we not perform many miracles? I know it's verse 23. Listen to what he says. He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Evil doers. Evil doers. They were doing good stuff. Why would Jesus call them evildoers? It has to be because they were not doing it according to the will of the Father who is in heaven. It's only those who do the will of the Father that is in heaven who will be saved. Now, why did God create us? What is God's will? God's will is for me to let him love me. You see, God wants us to understand that he accepts us not because of how good we are, but because of how good he is. When I say that God accepts me because of how good I am, it's like spitting in the blood of Jesus. It's like saying we don't really need the blood of Jesus. Or we're delusional and think that, hey, I'm going to be so good that I deserve the blood of Jesus. That's sick. That's messed up. For me to think that I'm going to be so good that I deserve that the Son of God's blood, that I'm worthy for that, that's messed up. Now, I know there are a lot of people that believe that. And I really think they're mentally ill. I really think they're delusional. And that's exactly what Satan wants. That's what the Pharisees were like. They're dangerous people. They start criticizing. They start judging. They start condemning. They're always trying to put everybody else down so that they can feel good about themselves because they, they think God accepts them because of how good they are. So they've got to start comparing themselves to other people. You know, when I take a standardistic, legalistic approach to righteousness, all that does is create competitiveness and comparativeness. That's all it does. That's all it does. And so, you know, I'm never going to be good enough. And so what we do when we believe that God accepts us because of how good we are, we know that we're not ever good enough, so we start comparing ourselves to to everybody else and say, well, you know, well, at least I'm not as bad as you, and that makes us feel good about ourselves. We start looking at everybody else's faults and shortcomings just so we can feel good about ourselves. And we put each other down, and we gossip, and we slander just to put other people down so we can feel good about ourselves. That's what the Jews did. That's what the Pharisees did when they took that legalistic approach to righteousness. We can never earn God's love. In the book of 1 John, chapter 4, I'd like to begin reading in verse 7, and we'll read through the end of the chapter, but this is a powerful, powerful passage that addresses what we're talking about tonight. 
He says, dear friends, let us have agape love one for another. For this agape love comes from God. Did you hear that? This agape love comes from God. Whoever does not have agape love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now notice what he says in verse 10. This is agape love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Did you hear that? This is agape love. God does not love us because we love him. That's what he says. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know and we live in him and, and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Listen to this. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And this way love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence. Did you hear that? So that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears, listen to this, is not made perfect in love. Now, this is a powerful passage in verse 19. He says, we have the capacity to have agape love. He says, we have agape love because... He first loved us. That's powerful. The only thing that can overcome selfishness is a godly love. The only way that I can receive a godly love is that if I let God love me, I have to let God love me. The only way I can understand unselfish love is when I let God love me as an undeserving, worthless doomed, wretched, as Paul says, human being. So when I say that I believe the gospel today, that's what I'm talking about. I believe that I'm a sinful person. I am selfish. I have that selfish nature. I cannot control that. I cannot get rid of it. But I believe that God loves me anyway. God loves me. That's believing the gospel. It's not just believing in God. It's not just believing that Jesus is the Son of God. It's believing that God loves me as a sinner. Notice, if you will, in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, Paul makes it very clear. He says, you see now, at just the right time, when you, when we, were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. While we were powerless, while we were ungodly, Jesus died for us. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you hear that? God demonstrates his love to us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ did not die for us because we're so good, because we deserve it. We don't receive the love of God because we deserve it. We can never earn it. We can never deserve it. That's what makes it so wonderful. That's what makes it unselfish love. And if I can't understand that, I'm never going to be able to love anybody else in the same way that God does. Now, God is love. This is agape love. And this is a powerful point. I've always understood that agape love means loving the way God loves. But the way God loves is that he loves the unlovable. That's agape love. There are four Greek words for love. There's eros that says, I love you because you turn me on sexually. There's storge that says, I love you because we're family. There's philos or phileo that says, I love you because you're so lovable. And then there's agape that says, I love you even though you're not lovable and even though you don't deserve it. And I always knew that. But until recently, I never thought about this. And please think about this. Agape love means loving the way God loves. God does not love to be good. God does not love to be good. Agape love is not doing something good to be good. God does good because he's good. That's agape love. If you have agape love, you love the way God loves. You love because you are good. Now, I can't be good on my own. That's why I can never earn God's love and acceptance. So how can I have agape love? How can I love the way God loves? How can I do good deeds because I'm good instead of trying to be good? This is the gospel. This is what's so awesome. The only way that I can love the way God loves, the only way that I can love you because I'm a good person is I've got to let God make me good. You see, I can't make myself good. I've got to let God make me good. And the way that he makes me good is by the blood of his son. Jesus' blood is life. The blood that I have in me gives my body life. It is the blood of Jesus that gives my spiritual person life. We have to let God make us good. That's the gospel. And it's only when I allow God's love to make me good, to make me righteous, that I can be saved, that I can be free from death. Going back to Romans chapter 10, Paul said, you know, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel is they may be saved because they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to God's but according to knowledge, because they sought to establish their own righteousness and did not accept the righteousness that comes from God. That's it. That's it. We can seek to do good to be good. That's selfish, and we're always going to die. The only way that I can love the way God loves is to let God make me righteous. Then and only then can I have agape love. Otherwise, I'm just... Being selfish. What did you rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10? 
Did you rate yourself a 10? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> Did you rate yourself a 5? Did you rate yourself a 4, an 8? Let me ask you to consider. Sometimes when I ask that question to people and they say, well, it's a 5 or maybe it's a 4, maybe it's a 6 or an 8. I say, why, why wasn't it a 10? And this is the answer that I usually get. Well, you know, I could read my Bible more or I could pray more or I could do this more or I could do that more. You know what we're saying when we say that? We're saying that we're following that false gospel. We've bought into that false gospel. We believe that God accepts me because of what I do, because of my goodness. That if I pray enough and I give enough and I do enough, God's got to love me back. That's a lie. That's selfishness. And we will always feel dead because we'll never pray enough, we'll never read the Bible enough, we'll never do enough good deeds to be able to earn God's love. And we'll always feel like we're never good enough. We'll always feel that sense of shame that Adam and Eve felt in the Garden of Eden. The only thing that can help us to overcome death, that can help us to overcome selfishness, is when we understand God as a loving Father and we humbly accept His love, this grace, this free gift. Notice, if you will, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll conclude with this passage. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions. You were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time. Listen to this. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. That's epithemia the sinful desires and our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, God who is rich in mercy made us alive he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God has raised us up with Christ. God has raised us up with Christ. God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Not faith in the false gospel, but faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works. Did you hear that? Not because of anything that I have done so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're God's workmanship. We're His masterpieces. We're His masterpieces.
want you to know that I grew up as a preacher's kid, as an elder's kid. I grew up, went to Bible college, you know, studied on a graduate level in Greek and biblical studies and all of that. And I never understood the gospel. I always still felt dead. I never really understood the gospel. I never felt good enough. Oh, when I did good things, it made me feel good. But, you know, that's kind of like an addiction, though. Anything that is mood-altering can become an addiction. And I know that there are people that are actually addicted to religion. They're addicted to doing good deeds just so they can feel good about themselves. They get that dopamine fix. And so they go to church so they can feel good about themselves. That's selfish. They break somebody a cake and take it to them. That's selfish so they can feel good about themselves. They say a prayer so that they can feel like they're a good person. They pray an hour so they can say, Woo, wow, I did an hour so I must be a good person. I feel good about myself. That's selfish. We're addicted to religion and it's unhealthy. And it will make us feel dead. Because it will only last a short time. But the gospel of Jesus Christ makes us feel confident all times. John said in the book of 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, he says, I write these things unto you who believe in Jesus Christ who believe in the gospel so that you may know that you have eternal life. One of the saddest things I ever hear is for somebody who's been in the church for all their life, if you ask them, are you going to heaven? They say, oh, I hope. I don't know, but I hope. Maybe. Uh, that's sad. John says, I write this to you so that you can know that you have eternal life. You know, we can go to church, we can read our Bible, we can even be baptized out of selfish motives. I was baptized out of selfish motive. I was baptized so that I could be a, so, a good person, so that God would love me. I thought that what I did made God love me. It doesn't make God love me. I can't make God love me. I can never do anything to deserve God's love. Now, what's really interesting is that once I really believe the gospel, once I really accept this free gift, I believe that God saves me because of how good he is, not because of how good I am. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You won't want to be selfish anymore. You will want to be the loving person that God wants you to be. You will approach law. This is the idea. Let's say this represents the love of God. I can seek to do good so God will love me, or I can seek to do good because God loves me. There's a big difference. You see, this is a legalistic, standardistic approach to righteousness. I seek to do good so God will love me. That leads to death and shame. The gospel of Jesus Christ says God loves me as a sinner. And when I can believe that God loves me as a sinner and I can accept His great love that Paul talks about in, in Ephesians chapter 2, if I really believe it, I'm wanting to do anything that God says that He wants me to do to please Him because He's not selfish. I know that everything He says is not selfish. He wants me to be baptized for my benefit, not His. He wants me to worship Him for my benefit, not His. God's not selfish. And so I want to obey Him because I know that He's not selfish. And so when I really believe the gospel, I will not want to continue to be selfish because I don't want to feel dead anymore. 
when I really experience the resurrected power of God's love, I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to be selfish. I want to be alive. I want to understand the power of God's love. And that's why Paul said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, how can we who are dead to sin want to live in it any longer? He says you can't. In the book of 1 John chapter 3, John says it is impossible. If you have really been born of God and God's seed remains in you, you cannot want to keep on being a selfish person. You cannot want to be a sinner. It's impossible. It's impossible. I believed a false gospel in my life. And that false gospel was taught in the first century. It's still taught today. This evening I wanted to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ because it and only it is the power to save. Jesus said, come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me and you will find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If my understanding of God, if my understanding of the gospel does not produce rest for my soul, there's something wrong with my understanding of the gospel. If my understanding of God does not give me peace and joy and take away my fear of death, take away my fear of judgment, there's something wrong with my understanding of God. God is the only power that can help us to overcome our selfishness. And Satan is so crafty that he even uses religious people, good people, to cause us to still be selfish. I sucked into it, I bought into it, and I'm glad to be free of it. And I never want to be in bondage to that, that bond of that false gospel ever again. I want to live. Tonight, you can live. If you're here tonight and you have not heard the gospel before, and you hear the gospel and you understand the gospel and you believe the gospel I know in your heart you're wanting to love God back. And let me tell you what, what God wants us to do is he wants us to be baptized. On the day of Pentecost, when they said, what must we do? He says, I want you to repent and be baptized. Baptism, what it does is it represents putting to death our selfish nature. And to raise to walk in a brand new life. That we're alive. Won't you do that tonight? Tonight, if you're here and you have believed a false gospel, I know you've been feeling bad about yourself. I know you've been playing church, and I know you've just been trying to live the best that you can, but still you felt dead on the inside. You've never really felt good enough. Tonight, I hope that if that's been like me, that you were like I was, I hope that you can believe the gospel. You can accept the gospel. Now, if you were baptized out of selfish motives, I'd like to ask you to consider it may be important to be baptized because you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a difference. So tonight I ask you, if you're here and you feel dead and you're willing to accept this wonderful free gift of Jesus Christ, we're going to sing a song and all it is is an invitation for you to come and for us to baptize you tonight so that you can begin that new life, so that you can feel free today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Won't you please come as together we stand and as we sing.